Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Where can you get the best medical information anytime and anywhere? Right here on The Smartest Doctor in the Room. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Mitchell. A brief disclaimer, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended as medical advice. For that, please consult with your trusted healthcare provider. Today, I think it's important to note uh, I'm recording this podcast on September 11th, and I'd like to take a moment to remember all the victims and their families affected by 9-11, and, you know, I'm here in New York, and the brave rescuers who risked their lives on that day from firemen, paramedics, policemen, law enforcement. So, you know, please, let's give us their thoughts today. Today, I am revisiting a very important topic uh, about how to optimize your sleep. Now, the Center for Disease Control says a third of us don't get enough sleep. But what exactly is the right amount of sleep? My guest today, Dr. Abhinav Singh, is a sleep specialist who actually advises the Indiana Pacers NBA basketball team on how to achieve optimal sleep. Now, you may be wondering why a professional sports team would employ a sleep specialist. But you got to remember, today in sports, we're talking about big bucks here. And each team wants to get some type of edge. And, you know, with the players traveling you know, across the country, not sleeping in their own bed, trust me, to get a really good night's sleep is probably a challenge. But for those of us that don't rely on our jump shots to make a living, uh, we all want to get a good optimal sleep so we can be our best. So I'm really hoping that we're going to get a lot of really good practical information. Dr. Singh is a clinical assistant professor at Marion College of Osteopathic Medicine. I also teach at an osteopathic medical school, and I think they're terrific and offer a lot. He is also the author of an excellent book, which I read several months ago and then reread again, Sleep to Heal. Yeah, absolutely. Really good book. A lot of good tips. We're going to go into this. So I'm really pleased to welcome Dr. Abhinav Singh to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Dr. Mitchell. It's a pleasure to be here. Okay. So I want to go first about like how much sleep do we need? You know, the classic rule we all hear is that everybody needs eight hours of sleep to feel our best. And, you know, now we're hearing some different things. Like, you know, again, some of the super athletes like Justin Verlander, the top baseball pitcher, LeBron James, and I think I heard even Roger Federer all say, they aim to try to get 12 hours of sleep. It just improves their performance. So my question to you is, is there any really hardcore science about how much sleep people really need for optimal uh, performance? So it's a great question. And the number eight has been around for a while. For Let's talk normal people, right? Like you and me who have a normal um day life and an evening and a night uh, and then back to work again for us who are not let's say as physically challenged as some of those folk in terms of you know musculoskeletal uh, prowess or need um, those folk generally the consensus on the national sleep foundation is about seven to nine hours will fit most adults between 18 through 65 uh, past 65, the recommendations are between seven and eight hours. Now, it's difficult to do 
long-term epi studies to really figure out optimal, right? You can figure out what is detrimental by depriving someone and then seeing consequence. So that is a little more, little easier to do. Even that, you, it's hard to do anymore because we figured out in the 90s and 80s, you took mice in labs and you cut their sleep short and bad things happened, you know, mortality, uh, metabolic disturbances, brain injuries. Now, nobody's even going to let you do that anymore with humans. Forget that. Now, we are self-inflicting that upon ourselves as a generation and we are running this massive experiment as a society, you know, depriving ourselves of sleep and then kind of hurting with the side effects. But that's sort of the answer. Seven and nine is what we hold. Now, eight fits right into the middle of it. So I don't fight it that much. So if people are trying to aim for eight and if they get past seven, I'm actually accepting of that in our modern day and age. So why do you think, just to go back to the athletes again, because it's always interesting to study athletes mm-hmm. and what they do. You're saying yeah. that you think that some of these superstars are saying they need more hours because you think it's giving them muscle recovery by resting more. I mean, they get they get massages and they their nutrition is regulated. I mean, again, you work with players like this. Like, yeah. like if, if if one of the I don't really know I don't follow the NBA as much as I used to as a kid. I love the Knicks. You know, I'm a New Yorker. Um, but <laughs> you know, if like a player said you know said to the coach, "Hey, coach." You know, Dr. Singh said, I need 12 hours and I can really perform. I can I can put down 30 points a game. But if you're like making me come to practice after a late night game and I only got five hours, you know, I'm not going to be my best. So what what do you think it is actually about the extra hours? If there is anything to that, is it just a little bit of mythical or do you think actually getting those extra hours of sleep, their their muscles are resting more, their brain's getting clearer. I, I don't know. Do you think it's physical Everything, right? or mental or both? I, I believe it's both because uh, sport, especially you pick any sport these days, right? There is a significant athletic component based on uh, the kind of sport. There is a accuracy and skill component. There is a physical strength. And then there is this mental toughness that they talk about, right? How to handle Uh, pressure situations. And then there is a recovery component and then there is injuries. So all of that, actually, you're right. So all these elite athletes and all these people are elite athletes. I, what they've learned is, as you know, that you go through different cycling stages of sleep uh, from deep to light. And we know there are certain, you know, hormonal balances that are corrected, uh, lactic acid, muscle recovery and repair, the growth hormone releases in, in, in spurts in the first half of the night And those uh, will help repair and restore metabolically your your muscular um, skeletal system for that particular topic we're talking about. So, so, you, so basically what you're saying is their tissue, you know, I mean, look, they, they built up a lot of repair. what we call lactic acid or inflammation yeah. from pushing their muscles so much. So the extra sleep yeah. might be helping that clean out, essentially. I want, I want to make sure the listeners understand uh, what we're talking about. And, and, you know, we, we call this hormone the growth hormone, and it releases yes. in your deep states of sleep. And th- that particular deep sleep happens in the first half of your night. And mm-hmm. that's what is the re- repair, restoration, and recovery. Oh, interesting. Um, and then the second half of the night is interesting because now we're going to deep dream sleep. And that acts as a cognitive rewirer, cleaning up the connections, memory consolidation, whatever you learned, mood regulation is associated. And we're still learning why we have this bizarre state of sleep called dream sleep, where we recollect some of our dreams, what's happening there. And we need a complement of both. And when you cut yourself short on your sleep period, that is, you go short by an hour, it may feel like, oh, I just slept an hour less. 
But the fact is that majority of your dream sleep is concentrated in the last two hours of your sleep. So you may have lost one hour of sleep, but you may have lost 50% of your dream sleep. Or and that's, REM very, that's important. That's what we call that REM sleep, right? Is that the Correct. dream sleep? And, that, and, that's, and, you, sleep. and that's considered very important for what? For clearing your mind or? So all of that, right? So memory, learning, certain memory types learning, of memory, yeah. certain types of cognition, certain types of creativity uh, enhances during these states of sleep. And we are still learning about all of them. And we know that, you know, there was a theory at the turn of the century that people who are depressed have REM sleep dysregulation and oh, certain medicines. Sure, that right. Can, we're going right. to get into some and of that. Yeah. This is yeah, really important. Yeah. So just to jump for a second, we're going to move away from all the all-stars. So let's say an older person, you know, and as you know, we get into this, you know, melatonin decreases, which is the sleep hormone as we age. Yeah. That's why a lot of uh, elderly people find it hard to get a good restful night's sleep or a certain amount, or these seems like their hours decrease. I've heard this from family members of my own. They'll say, you know, I can only sleep like five hours or six hours. You know, I don't know why I used to be able to sleep eight or nine hours. So is it critical that they work on that, you know, for their memory? So their memory stays sharp and they stay focused. What, you know, just again, you know, moving away from the athletes to the non-athletes who want to have a good quality of life. Correct. So as we get into, you know, the seniors, it's not that they need less sleep. It's that they get less sleep. Their sleep suspensions. If you look at the suspensions of a car, that's, that's, uh, you know, five years old versus 15 years old on a car, you know, that the suspensions on the same, you know, top quality brand car is not going to be the same, just the same way. Our melatonin amplitudes are not the same as we age. And therefore, the sleep is not maintained as well as for long as it was when they were younger. So now they're waking up a little more easily. Secondly, they have uh, health issues that are common as we age, you know, men with prostate related interruptions of sleep. Now they get up. Once you get up after five or six hours, it's hard to go back to sleep, even on a good day for you and me, because you've used a lot of your sleep batteries. Secondly, medications that they may be on for blood pressure, for uh, water pills, Um, you know, women may have passing through the change. They may start getting their sleep interrupted. So these are natural occurrences of aging that impede your sleep flow. Add to that, your melatonin is dropping a little as we age in terms of its amplitude. And therefore, sleep interruptions are going to be a part and parcel. Now, the, the seniors, what happens is, they, they don't generally have a place to be in the morning. Most of them may be retired or working less. So they can nap in the afternoon and make up for it. Uh, sometimes their activities reduce arthritis. Does it make, I, I'll stop on you. Does it make up for it? I, I know when I take a nap, I feel so wonderful. I'm able to do it on the weekend. I, I, people always criticize, how can you take an hour and a half nap? And I know in your book, we'll talk <laughs> about it, how long it is. But I feel so refreshed. You know, when I have to go out in the evening, I'm not a big party person, <laughs> but when I have to go to weddings or other events, when I've taken a nice nap on a Saturday or Sunday afternoon, I am much better mood. So, so napping yeah. is good. Napping's okay. I am all for, you know, short, uh, short naps. And we'll talk about the length here on a regular basis. If you nap 15, 20 minutes, and I talk about it as one of my super steps here, that mm-hmm. a 15, 20 minute nap in the middle of the day is actually very healthy. And it lines up with your body's natural sleep, wake circadian rhythms. Now on the weekends, if you're na- if you like your one and a half hour nap, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stop you from doing that. That's lovely. Do it. What your body is telling you is that Dr. Mitchell, you haven't gotten enough during the week. 
Really? So is, that, is that what it's telling me? Okay. It is. It is. Uh-huh. And all of us are like that uh, in terms of the society we live in today. So yes, if you feel great, great. If it doesn't in, intrude into your nighttime opportunity to sleep. I'm, I'm fortunate that way. My wife laughs. She goes like, I don't, she goes, I don't know how you take a nap and then you fall asleep like a baby at night. And I'm like, That's, yeah. thank God I'm blessed with so that. So you're probably at a good threshold right now. Um, and the moment you find yourself struggling at night, then you have to cut out your daytime naps because that is yeah. impeding your ability to sleep. Yeah, but naps are great. I love them. I preach them. Okay. Let me ask you this too. And we're going to try to be very specific. So I'm going to give you a couple of things. You know, obviously the advantages of sleep versus having lack of sleep. So let's talk about, just give me an example too of how you think it affects the cardiovascular system. Good, you know, obviously obviously, if you, have, if you lack sleep, I'm sure it's bad. So like what would somebody notice possibly like, um, could their blood pressure go up? Would they just yeah. notice that they don't have as much uh, cardio energy to work out? I mean, let's say I'm right. unfortunate. I know I have colleagues of mine who are doctors like us who are severe. We'll get to this later. Who are severe have severe insomnia, and I yeah. I don't know how they exercise because I know if I don't go without a good night's sleep, I can't exercise. It's like I'd say that's a day off. If I if I've had a bad night's sleep and I normally I would yeah. work out or play tennis, I'm like no, I'm going to skip it because I'm going to get injured. So what would you say are the main cardio like what a couple of points because I want to get to a few things about sleep and what the, you know. absolutely. So you know the biggest things are as soon as you sleep less. When you say lack of sleep, we talk about it in two aspects. The first aspect is quantity of sleep lost, right? So you go to bed late, get up early, the quantity is short. And then the second aspect is the quality loss of sleep as well. You may be sleeping seven, but it's worth four or five based on so many other things, insomnia, leg movements, snoring, bed partner interruptions, pets, pager going off three times a night, taking call as we all do. So now once you lose sleep, both quantity and or quality, you, you will naturally have a higher cortisol rhythm. And this was established on multiple levels, multiple studies over the last two, three decades. You just take a healthy person's sleep and you cut it short you'll see that their morning cortisol levels are higher. Their nocturnal blood pressure dipping, which is healthy for the heart, is lost. So that means you're... you're well, sorry, you said RPM. your blood pressure should dip at night. Because the... Yes, okay, so, and so the listeners know too, cortisol is equivalent to our stress, our main stress hormone. So that's what you're right. saying. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. And if you take a car, which is an idling RPM, you know, if you take a car and park it in neutral, that idling RPM should be kind of low and nice, right? Seven, eight hundred, whatever. And I use a lot of car analogies and that idling RPM suddenly rises to a thousand or twelve hundred if you're resting with poor sleep. And then the next morning you'll experience this. So it takes more energy for your body to function and it's more burden to your cardiovascular system, much like driving with the handbrakes up a little bit. Dr. Singh, how do you like to measure, just so I know too, the cortisol levels? Like, do you, do you like to use saliva versus blood? You know, I, I found, you know, I, I like uh, an early morning blood sample if I can get that on a patient. Yeah. Saliva has become yeah. popular because there's some of these companies that do, like we do, do four different points. That I haven't found to be as helpful, but I was just curious, again, because, you know, you're such a researcher in this area. What, what um, how do you assess someone's, like, essentially, if you think stress is playing a role in their poor sleep? Yeah, so cortisol, you know, the 8 a.m. cortisol is a good one to measure because we know that at that point it should really be at a certain range of high. As, as you wake up at 6 or 7 a.m. if you sleep nights, that's when your cortisol levels are bound to sort of take this sort of incline. And right. That's when you measure them at 8. So we can, that's how I like to do it. I like to so, do so, wait, wait. so if somebody is very low, 
early in the morning. Yeah. That's bad. It's telling you something and they're complaining right. of fatigue. Then we have to open another endocrine door to figure right. out why is there okay. an endocrine reason why their adrenals are not really supporting that cortisol rise like they should in the mornings. How about if it's very high? Cause I've sometimes seen patients where I do this and yeah. it's like the high and I'm like, and it's, they don't have adrenal issue, but it's like, I know they're very stressed. I mean, they'll, they'll yes. tell me and that, that I'll say, look, you know, we need to do something to kind of, you know, even out your cortisol because you're clearly very stressed and this is what's showing up on a very high AM cortisol. Yes. Is that correct? It's much like an ESR. It's much like an ESR. Uh -huh. it's, it's like it's, not specific, it's, but it, it's sensitive, right? So yeah. it's not specific. It's telling you that something's up. So now you have to go looking for it. Where is it coming from? Is it a sleep problem? Is it uh -huh. a stress problem? Is it, what is it? Right. What about the immune system? You know, do you mm -hmm. also find, you know, I'm, I'm an immunologist and, uh, you know, I, I give all my pointers to patients with nutritional supplements and things that they can do. But do you also, again, is it a myth or is it a truth? Like if somebody's burning the candle at both ends, working really hard, they're more likely to get an infection. And I'm just going to have to throw in my own pointer. You know, when I was in medical school, I'll never forget this. Yeah. We had finals, like I'm sure you, when you did, and I was studying so hard. I mean, up till probably two or three in the morning and, you know, going to the clinic during the day, et cetera. And right when the finals were over, I planned a vacation with some friends of mine. And wouldn't you know it, like the second day on the vacation, I got sick. I got a really bad strep yeah. throat, whatever too. And I thought, I said, how could that happen? And now in reflection, I'm like, my immune system was so revved up and so run down you know, that yeah. I ended up getting sick. Do, do you see that? I mean, do you see that with the players? Yeah. Do you see that with the patients in your, in your office? All of them. All, and I love the fact that you're an immunologist. A cousin of mine is also one, and we often talk about this. And sleep and immunity have been really studied. So the first half of the night, there's a lot of pro-inflammatory cytokines that the body releases. It's interleukin armies actually out trying mm -hmm. to clean up any infection, trying to remove any pathogens. And the second half of the night, a lot of anti-inflammatory um, machinery switches on to clear the debris. The macrophages are out. They're eating up everything. That's, so that has that actually happens every night. That's why, you mm -hmm. know, grandma would say, hey, you have a cold, go take a glass of orange juice and sleep over it. There is some truth in that, actually. And, and so when you're not sleeping, you're only allowing part of this immune system to work. So let's say your inflammatory cytokines were out and now you woke up in four hours and you didn't allow the anti-inflammatory cycle to come in balance that out so now you're going to get you'll feel worse and that's why people do feel worse mm. more susceptible now we also know that you know t-cells are primed during sleep there's a nice several papers out there and I, I think i read about it in the book too that you you have the mitochondria in the white blood cells under expressing in sleep deprivation so think about that right so your, mm. your white blood cells are weaker because you've slept less so they're not going to be able to fight infections as much Thirdly, we also have learned that integrin, which is a molecule that makes the, the, the germ stick, is less with sleep loss. Mm. So, so there you go, right? So, so many little pieces tell you that, okay, if you're not sleeping well, you're compromising your immunity. And all of us know, there was a paper from San Francisco that said, okay, sleep deprived people, three times higher risk, higher risk of rhinovirus infections, which is easy common cold virus. So uh, hepatitis B immunizations, they don't express as many antibodies if they're sleep deprived. And now with COVID in our, all I want to say, I hope cross my fingers in our rear view, uh, that if you're not sleeping well and you get these shots, they may not work as well because your immune right, system right. may no, not that, produce that I've seen as many. Too, when I, was, I was doing some research for an immunology um, paper. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, one other area too, I just want to touch on before we move on a little bit too, is about weight control. Now, you know, mm. every day we're reading about how Ozempic, Wagovia, you know, everybody's on this huge bandwagon of these medications, which I think drop maybe 10% of your weight, you know, which really is not as much as people think. But I think a lot of people don't, aren't aware that if you're not sleeping well, and you, you tend to uh, gain weight. Is that correct? You know, and Absolutely. especially, you yes. know, if, yeah. Can you explain that a little so, bit too? Yeah. So if you sleep less, your we know that your appetite stimulating hormones remain elevated, which is ghrelin. And this was, a 20, I think, almost a 20 year old research. And your leptin hormone, which is a satiety promoting hormone, lean, alpha lean, alpha leptin, that is also not working effectively. So guess what? If you sleep less, you're going to be hungrier and you'll feel less fuller. So that way you'll keep eating because you'll feel like you need more. You're still hungry. So that's the first one. And that adds resistance to weight loss. Second, if your cortisol is high, guess what that does to your blood sugars? It elevates them. Guess what that does to your insulin release? It elevates the insulin release to bring the homeostasis into effect and keep it uh, regulated. Guess what higher insulin levels do to your adipocytes? Makes more fatty dish. As you know, people who start insulin gain weight. So now do you see the link? So more cortisol, more blood sugars, more insulin, more resistance to weight loss. The needle doesn't move. The individual's frustrated. Man, I've been eating right, but the needle has just gone down half pounds. That's a great point. Let me, I'm going to ask you just to go back to the NBA stuff because, you know, it fascinates everybody, including myself. You know, these players, and I was thinking about the other day too because they said I'm a big tennis fan. You know, and a lot of matches now are at night. So the players are oh. playing in the evening. They get done at 2 in the morning. You know, it, it's yeah. definitely not physiological how people were supposed to be physically active. It was supposed to be during the day. So I was just curious, like, how do you advise these players who – uh, again, I'm not sleeping in their own bed. You know, they get done with the game at two in the morning. They have to try to wind down. I mean, they're all juiced up from, you know, a, you know, maybe a, a, a tough game. How, how do you get them to get into a good sleep rhythm? I mean, they're paying it's you know, a they're challenge. Not saying, you know, do, yes. do your thing. <laughs> uh, it's, it's tough. You know, I tell them three things, right? So the first one is you can have the best nutrition. You can have the best exercise routine. And if your sleep is not optimized, the benefits of those two are grossly diminished, right? Okay. So you, you'll be hard to have the, the benefits of good nutrition and good exercise if your sleep is not in the right quantity and quality. Players, so they travel a lot, right? Especially the NBA has, what, 82 games? They have a lot of games, um, and it's like sometimes two or three in a week. It's very different right. than football, you know, where... Back or to even back. Tennis, they're, there, they're the same place the whole week. Right. So... So, for, yeah, so the NBA in particular is tough because they're flying like after a game, they have their right. pressers, they have their uh, social media things. Then they right. go home to a hotel or, or their own home by one or two. Then they have to unwind, go to bed, get up in the morning for practice or a flight the next day. I mean, this is right. challenging right. stuff. This is really hard. And I've, spoken, yeah. I've spoken to many and then they have to perform at their peak. And if they miss exactly a right, injured, yeah, otherwise they're out of a job. <laughs> Right. The whole world is screaming at them, trying to coach them. Right. Right. So it's very challenging and you have to make them aware of this. And the certain players are more receptive. Certain players feel that they've just burst onto the scene and it's more challenging to break through to them. But all of them get it, actually. All of them get it. More more and more players are receptive to saying, "Okay, we've got to respect our sleep. 
shut down the, you know, the obvious stimulants and the distractions. And then if there's a problem and they're not sleeping well, say something. I mean, they have nutritionists that fly with them. They have their exercise coaches and they have me on a hotline. They'll say, Hey, wow. uh, unable to sleep. What do I do to wind down? And mm-hmm. basics are basics. They're human too. Yeah. So as long no, as know. you make it's... them identify the interferences, they do better. Great. All right. And last question regarding this, cause then I want to get into your super tips in the book. Um, you know, one of the things that the players have to deal with at times is when they're traveling, for example, like, you know, your Indiana Pacers, if they're going to play the Lakers in Los Angeles, yeah. you know, it's that whole jet lag issue. So I was yes. just curious if you were able to share the inside scoop, like, you know, when you're traveling across time zones, it clearly throws off the body. Just what your tips are? Do you recommend, I think you mentioned the book, low dose melatonin. Um, I mean, what, what do you do? I'm, cause I'm sure they, again, they're bringing you in They say, Dr. Singh, you know, we got a big playoffs, you know, let's just say the Indiana's playing the Lakers or the Clippers, you know, and we, we don't want to hear about our guys feeling, oh, they just, their legs went out because they were jet lagged. So how do you yeah. prepare? Do you do it individual with each player? Do you overall tell the team, you know what, I, I think you guys should all be doing X, Y, or Z. So, so tell us like, you know, I'm, a, I'm on the team, I'm the guard, I'm the Pacers. How do I get ready yeah. to go against uh, the Lakers? <laughs> Yes, uh, we have a great guard, by the way, this year. He's awesome. Uh, oh, Tyrese, oh, yeah. Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah, he's, okay. a, he's a special, special character. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, and some of the others too. So no, every individual is different, right? Like in medicine, you know, it's hard to cookie cut everything, everybody under the same piece. Right. Uh, everybody, it's like your jackets. Everybody has a different fit on the same jacket, right? So they need something different. So if you're traveling west, it's easier for the team out west to travel east than a team right. east to travel west. Because right. remember, by the time it's 8 p.m. in L.A., it's 11 p.m. in my my team's bodies and minds. Right. Tough. You're ready to go to sleep. Mel- They're not ready to play. Melatonin, right. Melatonin is beginning to rise. You're getting drowsy. Right. And now you have to shoot and win at 8, 8 p.m. local. Tough. Right. Right. Whereas when they come over and they play an 8 p.m. game here... Yeah. It's yeah. just 5 p.m. in their body. So they're still right. pretty biologically right. right. So so what do you tell them to do? I'm, I'm really curious. Like, what do you tell them? Drink, drink a cup of coffee, drink a Coke, you know, it, it, uh, any special supplements? Yeah. The NBA has become a little better about this. I think over the years, they're a little more cognizant. More research has been done to show that, you know, don't schedule too much of, you know, crisscross. Right. And they try to keep a couple of the same, like, let's say, right. When the team goes out to the West coast, they try to hopefully have them play a few games. Let's see that they play San Francisco or somewhere. So you're not traveling across the time zones. Or slowly travel, meaning go to yeah. not all the way to the west, but maybe go to mountain ah. or go to mm-hmm. central and then move okay. to mountain, then move to west. So it's, it's a little more adapting and it's a little more fair that way because okay. there is an advantage. I call it the circadian advantage yeah. because if I'm in the LA Lakers, I want to come and play east because I know I'm uh, my level of alertness will be on par with these guys. And I may have an advantage because between it's- 3 p.m. and about 6 p.m., 7 p.m., in our biological bodies, our musculoskeletal accuracies are actually quite high. Yeah. Uh, it's not so at 11 p.m. Have you ever tried to run on a treadmill? No, at I've never night? played a match at 11 <laughs> o'clock at night or a ball game. So, And you know, it's See? really funny because, you know, and what's really funny, it's interesting. People really think about it. I'm sure the betters think about this. It's that, you know, you always think that the home team has the advantage because of the crowd, but it might not just be the crowd. It could be... No. You know, it could be this whole physiological thing going on. They're, as they said, they're yes. on the road. They're not sleeping in their own bed. You know, they're, yes. they're, having, they're dealing with a time zone difference. You know, this, yes. you know, an upset can happen, you know, in the, Easily. 
in the right situation. And injuries are more common in somebody who's oh, playing outside of their point. circadian yeah. zone. Recoveries okay. are longer. And mm-hmm. and I say, you know, use the iPad that was invented for sleep. And I'll show you what that is. Uh, so we have invented an iPad. Oh, that's really tell cool. You. Okay, here's the Are you ready for this? Little, I'm ready. I, want, I, want, I hope my listeners and the viewers are, oh, wow. It's on the mask? No. This is a simple iPad. It's spelled E-Y-E-P-A-D. <laughs> wow. So it's basically an eye mask, essentially, eye mask. which costs wow. four bucks. So once you block the light, you uh, will allow oh, less I stimulation see, see, at night. Uh-huh. There uh-huh. you go. No, it's something as No, basic. my sons use that. My sons are really, yeah. you know, whenever they travel or when they're on an airplane, and I look at them like, can you really use that? But they're like, Dad, we swear by this thing. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, and once they're after the game and they travel, you know, use this because then you're not going to fidget explain on the screen. To me. I'm sorry to interrupt. Explain this to me because like, like when I close my eyes, why do I need a mask? My eyes are closed. What does the mask do? Yes, because your, any- lids, your lids are not They'll- opaque. So they will oh. be light going through the lids. Oh, interesting. I, I always yes. wondered about that. Okay. Because, you know. Yes. I- Oh, that's, that's really interesting. All right. Let's move on to some of the sleep tips in your book. And yeah. um, I'm going to go specifically, uh, and I, I hope the, the viewers and, you know, and the listeners will go to this page when they buy your book. Oh, I love it. That's my favorite page. I yeah. loved when I saw this in your book. That's why you know, your book was like a book I wrote. It has such a personal touch. And just so for the listeners... And the viewers, it's called Cot of Dreams. Now, first I thought COT standard for something, but I realized you drew a picture, a handmade picture of a cot, right? Yeah. Am I correct? And you yes. have the different slats of what's important. So I want to go through this because I think this kind of stuff is way overlooked. And I'm yeah. going to mention a couple of things that I do, you know, so I, I think hopefully the listeners, you know, will take how important this is. Because I was saying, when I saw this, I'm like, ah, Finally, somebody has put down something that's practical, not just so scientific, esoteric, you know, whatever. Okay, so let's go with the first one, which I love at the top, slat. Shower, a hot shower, maybe 10, 15 minutes, a half hour before you go to sleep. Now, I, it's really funny. I started to realize that I wasn't sure. I thought if I felt cleaner or whatever, but there's something about going in a hot shower and then to a cool environment that does what? What is yes, uh, correct. So when you warm up your skin with a warm shower, uh, the blood vessels on your skin sort of get dilated, the pores get dilated. And when you walk out of that shower, heat loss is actually easier because your blood is circulating under your skin and it is dilated. So there's more surface area and the room temperature is actually quite cooler at that point. Right. So the heat right. loss from inside to outside is actually quite rapid. Okay. More rapid. So you've facilitated that. And once the cooling takes place internally, your natural melatonin receives a little bit of a boost. So we know that, that cooling internally is required physiologically mm. as the core temperatures of the body cool. That's a signal for sleep. That's an internal signal for sleep. And it tries to mimic slash facilitate that. So that's the shower. Plus, when you're in the shower, everybody likes a shower. I mean, it relaxes you. You know, it it relaxes you. Right. And you can get into loose clothes, clean clothes. You dry yourself. And it's good. You're not, you know, it's. You're right. You're right. I mean, I know, especially when I go on a a trip, it's it's an absolute must, you know, for that, you know, even if I've showered during the day before I left on my trip, when I get to my hotel or wherever I'm going, 
and I just yeah. feel dirty and tired, you know, but not a good yeah. tired. I feel like an over tired, like a nice mm-hmm. warm, hot shower, you know, and then get into some clean clothes or pajamas, whatever. And then, you know, I also, when I travel, I, I have to sleep pretty much right away. I, I just need that. You know, I go to bed early because I, you know, I want to enjoy the rest of my trip. I'm not one of those people who can just get off a plane and just like go tour for three hours. That's just not me. My <laughs> wife knows that. So we, we made our compromises. All right. Let me ask you something else too, which is interesting. Journaling, you know, where you write, I guess, down your thoughts, reading. Why is that good before you go to sleep? I personally don't do either one of those. I do other things. Yeah. But, you know, I, I would think it's almost like stimulating your mind. So why do you feel that's a good thing to do? Uh, for some, I've, I've found that uh, mm-hmm. if they offload whatever thoughts they have or do a basic gratitude journal sometimes, you know, just put down the three things yes. they got done mm-hmm. today. Uh, put down one highlight moment and put down three things they want to get done tomorrow. That leaves them in a good space. I like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Reduces the vulnerability of uh, ruminating on something. Uh, And I I take this out from my insomnia patients, right? So this cot of dreams was created as I, in the last decade, I kept drawing this on the butter paper on the exam table of (laughs) patients, right? So I was like, I can see this. Yeah. Right. Easily, easy to draw this. And you make this routine for them. And now you're giving them a Pavlovian set of steps, which eventually starts to teach them and becomes routine practice. And they start the shower. They do the little quick journal in a book. uh, They do the next couple steps and it almost stimulates the brain to cue them to sleep. What about also reading? Because a lot of times they say, don't read in your bed. You know, so when you say read, yeah. is it okay to read in your bed or should you go like sit it, in a chair somewhere or it depends on the person? I think at the start of the night, it's fine to read for 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's again, not on a screen, not on an, uh, a right. tablet. It's a good old book, you know? And once you read that, the, the, the tracking movements of the eye moving from left to right on a book is actually soothing. And it's actually That's interesting. Sleep. That's very interesting. Yeah. It's As you know, too, unfortunately, promoting. a lot of people, I know even my wife, they were all reading on an iPad, even though they do go into the dark screen. I still don't think it's good. It's still very no. bright. Yeah. Uh, m- many who are really disciplined can do that off of a Kindle or of a tablet. But remember, right. what does the iPad have? It has a million other things you can distract yourself with in right. one click. Yeah. Whereas the book is a book. You're, you're anchored onto the one place and then you can put the book down and continue the next day and it soothes you and relaxes you. You know, one other tip I'd love to add, and maybe one day you'll add it to your cot of dreams, is uh, what I use with my, my iPad. I, do, I have like, you know, a head, very light head headphones it's called bedphones they're wonderful because it goes over your ear and they're very light and i like to listen to a spiritual lecture or you know um something of that nature and i've found that over the years it's really helped me where i'm just basically i'm listening even if it's for an hour or half an hour and it puts me in such a calm state and i'm sure there are apps that have you know meditation tapes that are like that too that i i just like, I, I feel like it's like going under anesthesia, like within like, you know, it's a certain point. I'm like, I just like slightly remove them and I'm just out. Um, and do you, do you like and I love that. Yeah. I love that. The reading aspect. I'm not bent on a book. Mm. Uh, some people can read on a Kindle. Uh, it's just out there to tell people. Some people like audiobooks. 
so you yeah. can actually have that's another good one as long as it's right as long as it's relaxing but you right. know what's funny where I learned this actually it was that uh, you know I, I also do a lot of holistic and functional medicine in my practice which I love yeah but years ago I went to a training where a very famous uh, meditation teacher they would teach us meditation you know meditation is not easy I don't know if you ever done you know you struggle a little bit oh, become yeah but what was but what was very interesting is they intermixed into the meditation uh, where they would read us like a poem or a story. And then after that, yeah. I felt like I was ready to go out. And that's what gave me the idea that if, again, if you listen to a really calming book, you know, with someone with a good voice or one of these meditation or spiritual um, lectures, it's like, you know, when we were little kids, when they, you know, your parents would read you hopefully a bedtime story and that's how they got yeah. you to fall asleep, not, you know, playing an iPad game, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that's I, gone the other way. And you're, I, I couldn't agree with you more. There's a couple of apps I love. One is called Insight Timer. It's free. Insight um, Timer. Okay. And it has exactly what you're talking about. And I do it myself, actually. Mm. Uh, about 10, 15 minutes, you can choose by length of time uh, and you can have sleep, anxiety, muscle relaxing meditation based uh-huh, uh-huh. or just sounds and you can do that through a nice comfortable headphones or just leave them on and the phone shuts off after 15 18 minutes uh-huh. uh, once it's done and okay. uh, yeah that can fall into the reading slash breathing mixed bag of those two slats that you talk about that you okay. saw all right let's talk about the base of the bed because i want to get in the mattress i want to get into this in your your diagram you're gonna have fun with this i told you uh what's your thoughts about those cooling mattresses you know and also and also i don't know if again if it's a whole gimmicky thing like these things with the sleep number and i see this on tv and i hear people espouse oh you know a cooling blanket i don't know i mean i like Sometimes in the winter in New York, I like, I actually have a heating pad underneath my mattress because I like it to be a little toasty, not too, you know, for too long. But when I first get in, I don't want to get into a cool or cold mattress. That's, you know, I'm I'm already now. So it's very personal. It's very personal. There is some, the the theory is that, yes, if you're cooler, you'll sleep better. But that's, that's very theoretical. It's never been published or okay. established in a large well, there's scale There's no proof study. to any of that. Like, so so people are suffering or they're shivering on their ice mattress. Give it up. <laughs> is that right? Okay. Give it up. But if it makes, if it helps you, then there are some mattress toppers that can make you feel cooler or can cool. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and women will have certain disagreements with their male spouses about temperature, what's comfortable. So, yeah, if it makes them feel more comfortable, do it. But no science, no broad uh, mm. based studies to say, okay, this particular temperature this particular mattress works best for all not there yet you, um, you know it's interesting I, I like a cool pillow i don't know why that is do you ever know yeah. i don't even know when you're sleeping when it gets warm if i switch i flip the sides yes I, I don't know what that does but i do feel better you know Brain, so the skull cooling actually induces certain stages of sleep oh, does it so we know that too so everybody likes that yeah okay good ventilated pillow good ventilated sheets are good i, I like those firm ones the ones like i guess like um there's a famous company like uh, Posturepedic. They make or whatever. They make these um, Tempurpedic. Actually, it's called. They make yeah. these really fun. I got used to. Them. I have to travel with these now because <laughs> you know, it's like funny <laughs> if you don't really have your pillow, right? You imagine you go to you go to a hotel someplace and it's all mushy, yeah. and you know, like my neck is not feeling right. It's like <laughs> yeah, it's like wearing someone else's shoes. Exactly. Yeah, oh, that's a great analogy. Great analogy. Yeah. What about the weighted blanket? You know, I heard a lot. I haven't used mm. one of those, but I've been hearing about that. You know, uh, any, any again, truth to that or is it a little more? Small myth? studies, small studies for insomnia, small amount of studies for restless legs, very sub, uh, questionnaire based studies. 
very few uh, overnight sleep study, you know, expensive, properly done studies on those. There is some theoretical small study advantage that the legs will twitch less and they'll be a little more rested. Uh, the insomniacs feel, some of them, unfortunately, people who suffer with insomnia feel that it may help them move less and fret less. But again, it, it gets hot. Those blankets are heavy. I, I, my wife made oh, me really? buy one for her. Yeah. They are uh-huh. not like 20 pounds. Well, it's not like, you know, I, I, I think the concept is like you're supposed to like be so snuggled in like, you know, again, like an infant or something. But I don't know. I, 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 I also like to move around a little bit. So it would be, it would be battling yeah. a little bit to... Uh, Right. Yeah. You know, the other thing I loved in your, your diagram, Cot of Dreams, I really think you should make this into a colored poster because this, this could be like, you know, for the uh, the Sleep Association. I sure. love that you had on the side a picture of the sun, like a little sunlight exposure because, you know, one of the things I deal with patients that have chronic fatigue and one of the trickiest things with these patients is they have poor sleep or insomnia, so they're up all night. Then when they finally do fall asleep, it could be five in the morning and they'll sleep till two in the afternoon. And what I really emphasize to them, and a lot of times if it's a young adult to their parents, I said, you got to get them up. They've got to get that sunlight before like 11 or 12 o'clock, you know, midday, because again, the circadian rhythm. So maybe you could tell us again to, again, this, and then for the ball players, do you tell them the same thing? Like if they, I mean, if they don't have a night game, you tell the coaches, don't let them sleep till two in the afternoon because it's going to throw off their rhythm. Yeah. So consistency is the name of the game, right? So if you pick a particular rhythm, you've got to try and make it as consistent as possible. You can't keep swinging and switching it by, Mm. by more than one or two hours. And it's tough on these players. So yeah, by the time they wind down, it's one or two in the morning after they're back to the hotel or from the games and they'll wake up eight hours later at 10. So don't schedule an early, early practice if you can avoid it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let them come in later. Let them sleep till their body really wants to sleep. So that way you'll know they'll identify their own sleep number. But even if they went to bed at two and they wake up at some will wake up at 10, some may need till 11. Let them do that. But you're right. As soon as they get up, try get some natural sunlight. Uh, and that is an energizer. It's a hidden, underutilized superpower, morning sun, sunshine for your body. It energizes your circadian rhythm. It suppresses any grogginess that's left over from melatonin lurking around after your sleep state. Uh, and it makes you feel good. Like finally one person who says, oh my God, I don't like the sunshine. The 70 degree sunshine is so depressing. You won't find one person because we are all genetically programmed to be daytime creatures and nighttime sleepers. Right. And, and we love that. So, and that's why we should utilize this more and more. And you're right, elderly. Now, if you switch gears into the elderly community, they don't sleep well and they're getting up a lot because you're right. Many times they don't get out there in the morning because their back hurts. They're sitting in a chair, the curtains are shut. Uh, and therefore they, they got up a few times at night. They went to bed again at five, you know, they're still sleeping in and they're just messing up their day night circadian rhythms. It's fractured. It's like, instead of getting you four slices of pizza, I'm giving you, you know, seven uh, zigzagged broken. And you're a New Yorker. You like your pizza. So do we. Uh, and if it's cut in different angles and different, don't you don't like yeah, it. No, 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 no it's gotta be, the, no. It's gotta be a nice triangular slice. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about the darkness too. It's really interesting. Um, I've also noticed too, that, um, I don't like, let's say when I go to a hotel and they have like those dark blackout curtains, I, I, I don't, cause I'm, I guess I'm lucky too. I, I fall asleep pretty well, but I like like when there's like that light comes in in the morning, it helps me wake up, especially if yeah. naturally, I try not to use an alarm. And um, I just wonder if that plays some kind of role too. Because when you wake up more gently also, I don't know, it just seems... 
to help yes, your energy. Com- I love that actually. If if our modern you know lives will can allow us to afford that, natural awakenings are the best because that's your body telling you how much sleep it needed, and now it's time to wake up rather than you know a cortisol uh, shattering, loud, unpleasant you know alarm at six thirty in the morning when you're oh, in your deep sleep feels- is very disturbing. Heart rate goes up. You're, you know it just is not a good way to do that. What about those people? And I, I've had a lot of friends of mine over the years who worked on like Wall Street and obviously there are doctors that have to sometimes get up at five thirty, six in the morning when it's pitch dark. Is that, yeah. is that problematic a little bit too? I mean, I, I know I, I, I've been fortunate to be able to do my schedule. So I usually can, I start work obviously when there's light, you know, like at, an, or like at yeah. 8, 9 and, and my day ends, you know, a little bit later, but I, it, I, I, I would have had a lot of, I would have struggled. I think it would have been really, I mean, I know there's those different types of, there's the owl and whatever, those couple, the couple kind of birds, yeah. you know, yeah, I would not be like a 6am kind of person. I just, that would have been detrimental to my overall health and energy. Most are designed to be sort of 10p to 6a sleepers and wakers, most. And then you get ones that like it more like a little late owl kinds of 11 to midnight mm-hmm. are going to bed and waking up 7 to 8. Some are larks. They want to go to bed at 9 and wake up at 4 a.m., 5 a.m. and go to the gym, hit the gym. So there, there are those chronotypes. But then you get the, the then you get the folks who have a problem, meaning that the society is very early morning based, if you've noticed, right? So society loves morning risers. They give them trophies okay, and all right, that. Right, right, right. Yeah. You're early, early to work, early bird gets the worm, yeah. you know, the whole thing. Yeah. Well, the whole thing has been set up like that. And then what do we do? We have this 24-7 addiction. We are always on 24-7. Your phone is bubbling, beeping, um, messages, emails. So that we've sort of kind of ruined ourselves a little bit and so when you talk about people getting up at five in the morning when it's dark i hope they've gone to bed at least at nine or ten p.m to give them that rest many Mm -hmm. times it's not the case because they are doing things till late in the evening social engagements life family and then now they're sleep deprived and a sleep deprived individual is an unhappy individual. Yeah, they, they right, and you see people cranky. This is a good reason. All right, the last uh, we've been having a great discussion. The last topic I really want to get to, and it's super important, you know, are what I would call the medical conditions and medical diseases associated with sleep. Um, yeah. Obviously, we know insomnia uh, is a dangerous medical condition, and a lot of times it can be brought on by life stressors, going through a divorce, a death of yeah. a family or a friend anxiety about loss of a job. I want to ask you this really important question. Actually, two of my medical colleagues asked me to ask you this because, uh, again, there's, there's a lot of fear. And I, <coughs> I have an article here, too, about how sleep can mitigate Alzheimer's disease. Mm-hmm. If someone is faced with the choice of taking medications to sleep versus not taking medication and not sleeping, what would you advise them? And if it is the medications, what would be the safest? Because we all know they're all addicting to some degree, but sometimes they're necessary. As I mentioned, those conditions where somebody's going through a divorce or has a, lost a family member, they're, yeah. to, they're distraught. I mean, they, they, they need yeah. that sleep to recover. So again, what would you do as the sleep doctor to, to help them through? So correct. So you have to be practical at the same time. You know, you can't be, you have to be consistent, <coughs> persistent. And my mentor used to say, and, and flexible. So because rigid things break, flexible things bend, right? So if you're too rigid with your approach, you'll, you'll break these people. Mm-hmm. So I always say some sleep is better than no sleep. Okay. 
Uh, second, when we talk about meds and sleep, we help them along their difficult time. Let's say add some training wheels while they're going through life stressors, you know, relocation, like all of all of the very good ones you mentioned, death of a family member, unfortunately, right. you know, things like that. Right. Once that once that event has passed, you know, things do get better. You know, nothing is right. as bad. Uh, forever, right? So as we know, the cycle right. will turn. At that point, you must have a plan to start weaning these meds off. The mistake is made when the refills go on forever and the and the primary care docs and us sleep docs are not having that exit plan. Because like you said, all of these things are detrimental to an extent if used long-term. Because but short-term, they're okay natural. though? Right, but short-term... Under supervision, I feel they're okay. In the right okay. circumstance, like you're describing, I'm not uh, a complete drill sergeant and say, no, none of them. Because again, going without the sleep is only going to further, unfortunately, either continue their sorrow. It's not going to let them heal yeah. and recover. Yes. And remember, medicines, when you give them for sleep, their sleep is some sleep. It's not your natural sleep. It's right. like say, I'm giving you processed food, right? I'm going to give you food in a box that you can eat for the next two years. This is not freshly cooked, homemade, you know, tomatoes and, and a uh, right. pesto salad. I'm going to give you this frozen pesto salad. Deal with it. At least for a hungry person, that frozen pesto salad is better something. than no salad. It's something, right. It's something, something. but it's, I, we get point. it. Okay. That's a great point. Let me ask you about one other condition, which is so common. And you wonder, is it a disease? Is it not? Is snoring. It seems like yeah. everybody and their partner says the other one snores. And, yeah. you, know, to, you know, I've even seen children who snore, my own. <laughs> um, yes. Is it a medical condition? I mean, is it, <clears throat> does it have to be sleep apnea or can it just be sort of a... You know, yeah, I, I see with people with allergies or sinus or can it be taught, you know, I mean, I mean, like how serious is this? Because they make it out to them, you know, in the medical complex, like this is, you know, everybody needs a CPAP yeah. machine. And and I know no. you mentioned in the book about it, you know, one of your players who used it. But I think we all know, too, unfortunately, the current CPAP machines are quite difficult to adhere to. So what, what's your feeling on the whole snoring stuff and sleep apnea a continuum so it's a continuum right so every yeah. do you treat every blood pressure that's high in your office no no so you investigate further right so mm -hmm. if snoring is a, is a cardinal sign that the airway is vibrating you've got to figure out is this a habitual scenario or is mm -hmm. this due to them being extremely tired having an allergy flare why is it so and is the snoring coupled with any breathing interruptions is it taking place in their natural state of health? Is it happening more than three to four times a night to a point where the spouse is leaving the room or is being forced to leave the room? And is it causing any daytime impact? So snoring, I say, is like potholes on a road. Now, if you hit a couple potholes on a road in a seven hour drive, is that a big deal? Not really. But if you hit 35 every hour of your drive every day, now you're going to break your car. Point. And that's the distinction between snoring and sleep apnea. So snoring <sighs> coupled with a breathing collapse, coupled with an oxygen desaturation, coupled with a brainwave jolt <sighs> over and over is called obstructive sleep apnea. And the distinction has to really be made carefully. Uh, is, that, is that only through like a sleep study in the lab or, or are which, any of these devices good? You know, like all these people now with their Apple watch and this and that too, they're like, oh, my sleep was this and that. Are those things accurate at all or? 
technology is evolving unfortunately they they they're getting there but they're overreaching and overexpressing the data that they've collected so okay. i'm i'm hopeful but i wouldn't hang my hat on them i would speak to a professional about what those numbers mean for them and get it evaluated properly because sleep apnea if you leave untreated has dangerous consequences whereas snoring by itself can be mitigated by a little weight loss a little in ent intervention uh, side sleep but if it is signs of sleep apnea then you should not sleep on it at that point you got to do something about it actually you just brought one last point i wanted to ask about too is there a good way to sleep on your left side your right side your back i mean what again if you want to tell someone who to hope i mean also the position of the bed does that make a difference sometimes with the snoring like if it's elevated you know in those you know those fancy it new can. mattresses it yeah. can as long as you've ensured with a with a home test or a lab test and a clinical evaluation that you don't have sleep apnea and it's just right. snoring then sleeping on the sides may reduce the uh, the decibels of the snoring sleeping uh, on your back may increase that avoiding alcohol close to bedtime may reduce your snoring if you drink too close to bedtime yeah. that may increase the you know laxity of the airway so you yeah. snore louder um, and does it, matter what side, does, does it matter what side you sleep on? Cause you know, I know like with the lung base or whatever, or the signs, I mean, does it, not, does it matter or not? It shouldn't. Very, very small papers say that one side has less, uh, snoring and apnea, hypopnea index, which is a measure of sleep apnea severity. Mm -hmm. One side is less than the other, but these are like 30 patients, 35 patients, very little very to make studies. large assumptions. Yeah. 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 Uh, left side is good for people with reflux. They say if you sleep on your left, it's a little better for GERD and reflux at night. Oh, that's good to, that's they, good to know because there are people that suffer with that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and if you have a lot of reflux, then you better get evaluated for snoring and sleep apnea because 60% of people with sleep apnea have lots of reflux, nocturnal GERD. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to end on that point. I mean, I, it, this has been so interesting. I hope the listeners really enjoyed it. I again, want to encourage people who have any kind of sleep issues or, or want to optimize their sleep to get Dr. Singh's book, Sleep to Heal. Dr. Singh, just one last thing. If is one thing you want any of the listeners to remember from today about regarding their sleep, any, anything that sticks out in your mind for them to get a really good uh, sleep? I mean, when you brush your teeth, ask yourself, how did I sleep? How have I been sleeping? Oh. Am I happy with my sleep? And if the answer is, man, no, I've, I'm tired of being tired. Say something. Don't sleep on it. Get some help. Yeah. All Get right. This help. was terrific. I learned a lot from your book. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's a pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Mitchell. Good luck. Okay. Okay. 